You're listening to the Born Again Anxious Podcast. Anxiety, depression, and other mental health issues don't just go away magically for Christians. So let's have an honest conversation about what it's like to be born again and anxious. Well, hey, I'm here with uh, Jeff Gauss, and uh, we're, we're going to talk uh, mental health and the church and faith and, and all those things. So, Jeff, glad to have you on. Hey, Adam, it's my pleasure. Happy to be here. Good deal. Good deal. Well, Jeff, why don't you tell us uh, a little bit about yourself? Give us a little bit of your background. Sure, absolutely. Well, first and foremost, I'm married to my beautiful wife, Heidi. We'll be celebrating 25 years here, actually, uh, pretty soon here. So excited about that. We had an Alaskan cruise uh, planned, which of course has been canceled due to COVID. So uh, we'll uh, be staying at the Super 8 or something instead, I guess. <laughs> Not sure what we're doing yet. Um, but then we have six kids together, uh, three biological and three that we've adopted. And our oldest is 20. Our youngest will turn uh, nine here in about a month. I have uh, planted three churches, pastor a total of four three of which I planted over the course of about 18, 19 years, and I stepped out of pastoral ministry last summer to uh, kind of go my own way, starting a new venture called Church Plant Solutions, where I help churches, and especially church plants, new churches, uh, find financial solutions for the churches, particularly in areas of you know bookkeeping, accounting, payroll, uh, those things, but also do coaching and consulting and training as well. Well, I know um, that, you know, Jeff and I, ha- we've known each other uh, for a couple months now, and, uh, and I know through different conversations that we've had, uh, through your blog, um, you, you seem fairly transparent uh, about your um, experiences with uh, depression uh, and, and with, with uh, burnout and, and things like that. And, uh, and so why don't you tell us a little bit of your story uh, with, with those things? Yeah, absolutely. My pleasure. Sometimes uh, I think I've been accused of being too transparent or too authentic. <laughs> but it's, it's my story, and I share it so that I can help others. But, you know, I, I can first remember suffering from depression when I was 14 years old, and um, when I was 14 or just before I turned 14, actually my six-year-old sister was killed in a car accident. And a couple of months after that, um, I fell into this deep depression. I remember it was, it was summer and I would just stay in my room uh, with the sh- shades drawn and the lights off all day, just, you know, crying, moping, you know, whatever. Um, and that's, I mean, that's my earliest earliest remembrance of depression was then when I was 14 and and I thought at the time you know really even up until about 10 years ago I thought at the time that was kind of just a a one-off sort of thing you know a circumstantial you know it's not you know it's not uncommon to get depressed when you lose a loved one and to for that to really impact you in a in a difficult way Um, but then as I, I got older and went into ministry um, I had other serious bouts of depression where, you know, I couldn't, couldn't function. I couldn't make good decisions, was irritable, couldn't sleep or just wanted to sleep all the time. And again, it was 
kind of this, this long period of discovering things where I live in northern Minnesota, so seasonal affective disorder is, you know, a legitimate thing where we live. And so for years, I just thought it was that. I just thought, well, you know, I've got seasonal affective disorder, like, you know, half the population, <laughs> you know, basically. And so, you know, um, but then something significant happened. And it was, I think, May of 2009 around there um, and that was when I, I can just describe it as this where I remember um, I was gonna go play disc golf frisbee golf with some some friends and at the time like everything was going great in our ministry our church was growing my family was doing great um, the weather was great and I was looking in the garage for my golf discs and I couldn't find them anywhere. And I all of a sudden just like broke down sobbing uncontrollably. And I'm like, what is going on here? Like, am I, I can't be this upset <laughs> over not being able to find these golf discs. And, and so that was, you know, that was like what I would say is like, it's like a fire alarm, you know, goes off and it's like, whoa, what is, what is going on here? Mm -hmm. And, you know, Long and short, I did end up finding the disc, and then I went and I played. And when I came back, I drove into our garage, and I just had this overwhelming feeling like just close the garage and leave the car running mm. and end it, end it all. And, you know, fortunately, I didn't fall through on that impulse, and, and I, but I realized right then I needed help, that this was, this was not because it was, you know, January and dark and 30 below. It was not because, you know, my sister died or there was some tragedy. Um, something else was going on here that went beyond those things and I needed to, to figure out. So, so I talked to my wife about it, made a bunch of calls, you know, called, made a, a doctor's appointment, made a counseling appointment, called my mentor, um, made those, those three calls and got in to see a doctor, got in to see a counselor. You know, I still for the past 12 years or so do counseling on a regular basis. Um, and, and also at that time, I got on medication for depression, which I've been on ever since, which has made a world of difference. And so I really thought that I was beginning to, um, I guess, regulate it. Like, in fact, you know, I had, I had written things, I'd led, uh, read, led workshops, done talks on it, um, even been on other podcasts talking about, you know, how I've, quote, overcome depression. Um, and not really overcome it, but, you know, it was still there, but it was like, instead of, I was able to keep it in a cage rather than this thing devouring me. And so I, I learned, you know, the warning signs, the triggers, and could really take proactive steps. And But all of that went out the window in September of 2018. And ironically, it was, it was maybe just weeks after I was telling people that, man, I feel the best I have in years. You know, I'm doing great. I've got, you know, all this energy. And um, even actually did a podcast interview on depression and you know again talking about these things about you know here's what you need to do if you know if you're struggling with depression and 
and you know, I can go into those things later because they do help. But, um, but then just a couple weeks after doing that podcast and telling people how great I was feeling, I just crashed hard. And it was like something that I had never experienced, something that went beyond just, you know, a normal swoon of depression. And I just hit a wall hard. And, you know, I remember, I remember distinctly the moment that it happened, you know, at least that it began. And then it continued for a month before I put the brakes on. But uh, we're making, doing a building project at our church, building out our kids' classroom space. And we had a fall launch coming up on September 16th for this new space. And it was September 11th. And so we had five days to go and it still was a long ways from ready. And somebody was asking me all these questions, our children's ministry leaders asking me all these questions. Well, what about this? Well, what about that? You know, who's going to do this? And, and it was just like, I just became overwhelmed. And I just like literally just sunk down in my chair, put my head in my hands and just could not take in anymore. And, and that was the beginning. And then I tried like for a month after that to, to really muster up the strength. And there was just nothing, nothing there to draw upon. I started driving through stop signs and red lights when I was driving. I would sit at my computer for hours, you know, trying to write a sermon and have, have nothing. Um, I, you know, canceled like all my appointments, even missed a bunch of appointments, which I never do. You know, I'm, I'm usually one of those people where I'll put things on my schedule, but I really don't need it. I just remember. And I started, like, in the course of a few weeks, missed, like, four or five appointments. And just, like, there was just, I had nothing to draw upon. And so I remembered somebody talking about burnout years ago or reading something about it. And I'm like, hmm, I wonder if that's what's going on here. So I found a, a blog post or something by uh, Carrie Newhoff, and it was, like, nine signs that you might be burned out. And it was like, check. Check, 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 check. Every single one. And that was like, wow, I really need help. And so I did take 10 weeks off from ministry at that point. And, you know, what I want to say about burnout and I guess and versus depression or how they relate to each other is that, you know, I think depression is a part of burnout, but burnout is more than just just depression. I think just depression, like depression is not a big deal, but, but burnout is like, you've got, you're completely depleted, you know, physically, emotionally, spiritually, everything. And depression is certainly a byproduct of that. And, you know, I wasn't sleeping. I couldn't sleep at all at night and I was so exhausted and yeah, it was miserable. <laughs> so, and then that's so that's my story, and I can you know tell how I came out of that and everything. But yeah, for know. sure, for sure. Well, I appreciate you um, sharing. And you know, you said something in the beginning. You said you've uh, been at times accused of being too transparent. Um, when when you first started sharing your story, and and maybe there's not one specific moment, but maybe it's kind of a, a progression of things. But when you shared your story, what's what has been the response you've gotten from uh, from the Christian community? Whether that's, you know, your Christian friends, uh, your church families that you've been a part of, or just the Christian community at large. Mm-hmm. 
I'd say it's been about 99% supportive, encouraging. You know, the, the, you know, other 1% are people that don't know me at all. That just, you know, are, are trolls on the internet or something, you know? Um, but yeah, when I, so when I, in 2009, when I had that, that realization that I don't just, you know, struggle with depression periodically or, you know, seasonally, I live in kind of a constant state of depression. And once I you know, started taking steps to really get healing in that, um, I made, I think, the most important decision that I ever made, which was to live that out in front of my church. And that I was, I was going to be transparent about it, not because I wanted their sympathy or, you know, anything like that, but because everybody's got issues. And I wanted them to know that whether their issue was depression or, you know, addiction or some other mental health issue or sin issue or whatever it might be, that they weren't alone and that you know, I wanted them to see me deal with this and live with this and be able to, um, if not overcome it, at least learn how to use it for God's glory. And, and, you know, so I wanted to do that in front of them. And so, so the response from people in my church, churches that I, I've led has been overwhelmingly supportive and thankful, uh, for me doing that for just, you know, for being real about my, my struggles so that they felt like they could be real about theirs. And I think, you know, that's, that's one of the biggest things, you know, is that I think, you know, one of the biggest ploys of the enemy is, you know, Satan wants to isolate us into, you know, make us feel like we're alone, whatever our issue is that we're alone and we're the only one that struggles with us. We're the only one in the history of humanity. Yeah. that's ever, ever had this problem that no one else could possibly understand and they would shame us and, everything if they ever found out and certainly there's people that will do that um but but it's only when things are brought out of the shadows into the light that they can really be healed and so my i've been on this campaign always to you know bring things out into the light where things can be healed rather than swept under the rug yeah it's it's amazing i know for me whenever i have have talked about these things, um, you know, whether it be in a, in a small group or in a sermon or, you know, wherever written about it online. Um, it, it, um, it's amazing how many people will say things like, well, I thought I was the only one, or I didn't think that anybody understood, or thank you so much for saying this. I, I deal with that too, you know? And, uh, um, and that's not to pat myself or, or you on the back. Um, that's simply to say that I, you know, those lies, those, it's those subtle little lies that right. you know, nobody could understand. Nobody could understand what I'm going through. Well, yeah. maybe not your exact specific circumstance, um, but lots of people have dealt with similar things and, and, uh, and there's, there's support that comes through that, that community. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, I mean, that is even, you know, magnified when it comes to ministry and pastors. I mean, if the, if the statistics and the research is, is accurate, you know, around 70% of pastors 
do or have struggled with depression at some point. Um, so, but how many have actually felt free to talk about that? And again, you know, there's still a, a stigma with that. And I think, you know, I think we are seeing some sort of, of you know, renaissance in the church, maybe with, with mental health issues, you know, it's been a, a been much more uh, prevalent over the last, I think, year or two, as we've seen, you know, high profile people that have, have committed suicide and, you know, bringing these things out into that light where they can be talked about kind of removing the stigma. And so I just want to encourage pastors particularly, you know, who, who might be struggling with depression or borderline burnout or anxiety, you know, whatever, whatever sort of mental health issue there might be that, that you're not alone and don't, don't stay alone. Don't stay isolated. Find a community, people around you that can help share that burden and that you can not just be ministered to, but minister to others through your pain. What do you think has, you know, you mentioned that stigma and, and some of that stigma is kind of, kind of lifting. Uh, but, but in the past, what do you think has led to that stigma? I mean, do you, do you think that it's, is it expectations that other, others place on pastors? Is it expectations that pastors place on themselves? Is it somewhere in the middle? What do you, what do you think is, has led to that? Well, I think for you know years, and still in a lot of circles, there's the thought that you're depressed because you don't have enough faith. You know, if you just had enough faith, if you were just would trust God, if you just prayed more, if you just spent more time in the Word, then you wouldn't be depressed. And so, you know, even as a regular everyday Christian, it would be hard to come out and admit that you're depressed if that's the expectation that, well, I just don't have enough faith or I just need to pray more. And then, you know, that's exacerbated if you're a pastor and that, and that's the, the stigma. And so how could you ever admit that you're depressed because then other you're the pastor and you're supposed to have faith. You're supposed to be praying. You're supposed to be able to, to overcome these things. And, and how can you help others overcome things if you can't overcome? And so, yeah, so there's, I guess, a lot of association of mental health issues with really equating them with sin issues mm. in the past. And I, I think that when we're seeing a, a changing of the tide in that, at least a moving of the needle in that, which, praise God, I think is good. Um, and not that those two things are, you know, necessarily always mutually exclusive or always related, you know, mm-hmm. sometimes it's like, uh, you know, people in the congregation all the time where I'm like, hmm, is this a mental health issue or is this a sin issue? <laughs> or or is it both? I don't know. Right. Um, but, you know, but it's just because you struggle with depression or, or something else doesn't mean you're you're a sinner. We're all sinners, but not, you know, in habitual sin or, or that you don't have enough faith or that you're not praying enough or that you're not reading your Bible enough. There's so many factors that go into it. Yeah, I think that when we're talking about mental health, I mean, it's such a multifaceted thing. And, and we, we live in a Twitter world, right? We, we yeah. like the, the quick, short, easy answers. And, and a lot of times with mental health, that's, that's not the case. Exactly. You know, and I mean, it's, it's, uh, 
you know, it's a, it's a spiritual issue. It's a biological issue. It's, you know, a mental, emotional issue. It's a physical issue, maybe a relational issue. And so it's depression, I think, really is a, a, a holistic sort of illness, if we're going to call it that. And so you need a holistic solution to treat it. Yeah, you you mentioned uh, earlier, you were two things. Uh, earlier in the conversation, you talked about how, you know, after that May 2009 experience that you had, um, and then you you sought out help, and and you went a long time feeling feeling like you th- had things under control, feeling like um, I think I think you said like you were keeping it in a cage, mm-hmm. um, and then <clears throat> and then you had the the September two thousand eighteen where you you hit that wall, and so there was kind of this this big uh, gap there maybe maybe speak a little bit about uh this idea of um how you how you don't see it coming sometimes Mm -hmm. and how how this mental health thing is something that's that's always kind of there yeah that's that was the big difference for me with the september 2018 issue you know i had gone whatever that is nine years or something with Mostly being able to keep it in the cage, not, you know, in the sense that I would have bad days or maybe even bad weeks, but I didn't have long, prolonged periods of depression that lasted months like I had in the past. Um, so, and I could kind of see it coming. Like I would notice the warning signs, you know, and I'd be like, okay, I'm going to take some measures, you know, I'm going to, going to make sure I get, you know, more fresh air, go for some walks, you know, um, get some more sleep, you know, whatever, whatever it is. Um, but yeah, the September, 2018 totally like didn't see it coming. Like I can best describe it as, you know, driving down the the highway, you know, 70 miles an hour on a beautiful sunny day with the top down convertible wind blowing through your hair, enjoying every minute of it. And then driving 70 miles an hour right into a brick wall. Mm. And that's really what it felt like. Like it just like the bottom just completely dropped out and I didn't see it coming at all. Well, let's, let's kind of make a shift a little bit here. Let's, let's talk about pastors in general. Um, You know, what, what advice would you give to pastors who are currently struggling uh, currently dealing with depression, they're they're currently, um, you know, in that place of burnout, or maybe they're like right on the edge, looking over uh, at at you know burnout. Uh, what what advice would you give them? Stop. <laughs> whatever. Stop whatever you're doing. Um, it's like the stop. it's like the uh, the Bob the Bob Newhart the the. Right. Just stop it. Just stop it. You know, in all seriousness, though, like, I knew I had to stop. But, you know, in ministry, like, but what about this? Well, who's going to do that? Like, you know, I, I can't just stop. You know, I got the machine keeps going. You know, I got I got to keep keep running, running circles in the hamster wheel, you know, to keep it going. 
And so there's, I mean, when I talk with pastors about it, I'm, I'm very serious. Like you will either make the choice to stop or it will be made for you. And so it's much better to do it proactively, make the decision to stop before that decision gets made for you. And for me, even in the course of that, like, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't doing anything morally or ethically wrong, but I was beginning to think that I could, you know, because, you know, I was so far gone that my, my judgment was impaired. You know, like I said, I've been going through stop signs and stoplights, missing appointments. And I'm like, I need to stop before I make a serious mistake, you know, that, that jeopardizes myself, my family, my ministry, everything. So, so in all seriousness, if you feel like you are burning out, you need to stop. You need to stop, take some time off, and at least, you know, take some time off, get away and assess the situation, you know, and fi figure out whether you need more time off after that because i first decided i first you know my church graciously told me to take two weeks off and and i was so thankful like when they told me that i just like burst burst down in tears i was so relieved but then you know about 10 days into it i realized oh man like i'm not ready to go back in four days two weeks is not nearly enough there's no way that i can go back and and uh, like i said i I went to, or I took 10 weeks off, but my doctor told me that I should take a minimum of six months off, mm. a minimum. Mm. And, and, you know, again, like in ministry, like who can do that? Right. Mm. And the re we, we can't, but that's why we end up moving on to different ministries. A lot of times is because we feel like we can't get that break in the ministry we're at. And the only way we know how to get a break is to completely leave that ministry and then hopefully start fresh somewhere else. So anyway, stop. So second thing is, you know, go see a doctor, like a medical doctor. Um, that was, you know, I did that actually at the urging of my counselor, which is another thing. If you don't have a counselor, get into a counselor right away. But it was actually my counselor that urged me to go to a medical doctor to be assessed uh, uh, medically, and which was great because that brought a lot of validation to what I was feeling. You know, it was my medical doctor that said, you need to stop before you kill yourself. Mm -hmm. And when you hear a medical doctor say that, that carries a lot of weight. It's like... Holy crap. Mm -hmm. This is, this is serious. This isn't just that I'm tired or I'm depressed. This is that if I don't make some serious changes, I could literally kill myself. So counseling, doctor, stop and rest. What are some, what are some rhythms uh, that you have built into your life that have, um, have been beneficial for you? On, on this journey? One thing that I really have started doing kind of during that, that burnout recovery phase was, was walking. And I used to, I used to be big, big into working out. Like, you know, I did, I've done triathlons and, you know, 
insanity and you know all these things and running and and biking all that stuff and i just decided during that phase that i was just gonna walk and i'm still doing that i just i went for a you know three mile walk this morning and i'm just that has been so good for my soul so good for my soul just to go on a walk every day just spend some time with god on that walk being able to process through things you know i I'm a, I'm a walk and talker, mm. I guess, you know, like even praying, like I can't just sit and pray. Like I have to, I'm a, I'm a pacer, I guess, like I have to pace and pray. And so to be able to go and walk and talk with God and, and listen, I just get so much clarity, so much rest for my soul and it's good for my body mm. to be out there. And so, so I just don't get hung up on, well, I'm not, you know, like, as fit as I could be, I'm not all muscle bound and I can't run a marathon and everything, but, but I'm not in bad shape. You know, walking is good exercise and it's doing a lot more for my soul than any of those other things. Good for sure. So that's one thing, you know, that, that rhythm of, of walking and um, journaling something else, you know, I've, I've done, you know, gone through periods in my life where I've done a lot of it and then taken periods off. And it's always the periods that I take off that end up being the hardest times, really. And just to be able to journal, journal my thoughts, journal my prayers. Um, it's been really, that's been really helpful for my soul as well. And that was really probably the most helpful thing in recovering from burnout was just, just being able to write. And that's when I really got back into journaling again. And just just having the freedom to say, I'm just going to write exactly what I feel, and I'm not going to hold anything back. Because mm-hmm. I think even, even as pastors, you know, even if we're like writing in our journal, I think we still hold back. We still hold back in our prayers, maybe. And I think, I think that was something that I just decided, like, you know, I've talked before about how I made the decision to be transparent with with others. And sometimes I realize I'm not completely transparent with God. You know, I may have a thought that maybe I'm ashamed of, or I don't think is very Christian. And so I'm not, I'm going to just stuff that down. And instead of doing that, I just decided, you know, I'm going to express that thought and express that thought either in writing or verbally to God and just say, God, this is what I'm thinking. This is what I'm feeling, you know, right or wrong, good or bad. This is what it is. And, that's another thing that I think has just been really healing for me is just not holding anything back from God or, you know, anyone else Do hold some back from others. Otherwise, you know, <laughs> it be, would be really needy, I think. Right. Um, yeah. Yeah. I'm, uh, there are certain things I'm going to hold back because I, uh, I'm kind of like you, I want to be transparent. Um, but I, but I also want to keep my job and I want my, uh, my wife and, and daughters to be able to eat. So, uh, so there's certain yeah, exactly. that that will stay um, uh, maybe in my journal rather than uh, rather than than broadcast out there. But yeah. but it's interesting, you know. You you were talking about journaling these things and and being a freeing thing. And I think sometimes there's this lie, right? That um, that like, oh well, I can't I can't say that to God in my prayer, or I can't do that. And it's like. Well, he already knows you were thinking that. Like, what, like, what do you think you're really hiding from him? And uh, right. I, I think that goes back to that th- those subtle lies. 
Yeah, and even though I would never, I would never say, you know, to hold back from God, and I would tell people, like, you know, don't hold back from God, I realized that I was doing it. And, and part of it is thinking that, well, he knows I'm thinking it, so why do I need to say it? Mm-hmm. But, but I realized that by thinking it and not saying it, I was holding on to that thought rather than releasing that thought. And so like, maybe that's where the, the healing really has come, is just expressing that thought and then being able to, to give that up to God and and release that and move on rather than holding on to it or stuffing it down burying it deep inside where it only rears its ugly head at some later date well jeff um you know you talked a little bit about uh medication earlier and um let's let's talk a little bit about that um i know you said that that that's uh you are you you're currently yeah. Okay. And, and I, you know, I do as well. Um, I'm currently on a, um, an antidepressant and, uh, it, it has been, um, um, I've noticed benefits from it. Uh, but let's, let's talk a little bit about that. So, uh, you know, that after that May, 2009 episode that I had with, you know, pulling into the garage and wanting to leave the car running, I, I got on, went saw a doctor and got on some antidepressants, which I have been on ever since. And I've tried a couple times to get off and things have gone off the rails when I have. And to the point where other people notice it before I do, which, you know, it's really bad when when it's other people. Like uh, one time I went off and I, I had three different members of my staff come to me separately and say, you're really not doing well. I'm like, really? I thought I was doing pretty good. Um, but, you know, medication is one of those things where there's been a huge stigma with. Like, you, you shouldn't need medication. You just need to trust God. You just need to pray more. You just, you know, God can heal you. And absolutely, he can. But who, who among us, you know, would, you know, break a bone and decide, you know, I'm not going to go to the doctor and get that set. I'm just going to let God heal it. Uh, you know, for every other issue, we'll go to the doctor. You know, we'll go to the doctor for these physical issues. But for some reason, we think it's a mental health issue. Like that somehow is different and we shouldn't go to a doctor for it. And it's, it's no different whatsoever. If God has provided a means through medicine to help heal the hurts, why wouldn't you use it? Sure, he can He can heal you through prayer. And I think he, he does and he has healed me that way too but I think medication medication definitely has been a huge part of that and one thing that I also really emphasize to other people is even if it's just for a little bit sometimes you need that medication to help those synapses fire um, to help the serotonin levels so that you can make the next decision right so that you can take the next step and so you know, maybe you just need it for a little bit to kind of get back on track, and that's fine. Maybe you need it long term. Maybe you need it for the rest of your life. You know, whatever it is, there's there's no shame in being able to in taking taking an antidepressant just as in there's no shame taking a you know a cholesterol anti cholesterol or you know you know medicine for your heart or or anything else, and and it's every bit as important. 
Yeah, I, I had a I had a lady a couple months ago um, when I when I went <clears throat> excuse me when I went back on um, an antidepressant and uh, she kind of like got up in my face and uh, this is before I went back on it. She got up in my face and she said, "If you were a diabetic, uh, and I was your doctor and and you told me you weren't going to take your insulin, uh, I would tell you you're." you're crazy. You're making a dumb decision, you know, or if, if you weren't going to take this medication, I tell you, you're crazy. She said, so just, this is serious. You need to, you know, and I was kind of like, okay, 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 okay. Um, but she, she has been one in our congregation. It's been a huge, um, benefit for uh, a huge asset for me. Um, and, and so I think that, you know, if, like you were talking about earlier, if, if we, uh, if we're going to approach this mental health thing, um, you know, holistically, if, if we're going to approach it, uh, that it's, that it's all of these things combined. It's, it's not just a, um, a mental emotional, it's, it's not just a, um, a, a chemical, it's, it's not just a, a physical, it's not just a spiritual, but it's, but it's all of these things. Um, the, the conversation about medication certainly has to play a, play a role in that. Yeah. So, you know, I would say, you know, you need, you need prayer and scripture to, to help with your thoughts. You know, you need, you need exercise for, to treat your body and, you know, a good diet and, you know, you need good friendships and and family for the relational aspect. And then you might need medication for the, the biological, physiological aspect of it, which depression is all of those things. You know, it's, it's a a biological issue. It's a a mental, emotional issue. It's a physical issue. It's a relational issue. And so you need to treat all aspects of it. For sure. Jeff, thank you uh, for, for sharing your story and and sharing some words of encouragement. You know, I, I know we talked specifically about pastors in this, in this conversation. Um, but I think that it could, could equally apply to, um, really anyone who is, is dealing, uh, with depression and, and with burnout. Um, if, if people want to connect with you online, um, I know that you have, uh, written some about this. How, how can people connect with you? Yeah, you can find me on my, my blog, which is uh, jeffgauss.com so j-e-f-f-g-a-u-s-s dot com um, or through my my website my business is churchplantsolutions.com so you can, can reach me either one of those ways or on on facebook you can search me out as well awesome awesome and do do go check that out guys uh go go check that out we will also uh, link to that in uh, in show notes. Well, Jeff, uh, thank you so much uh, for continuing the, the conversation. Yes, it's been my pleasure. Thank you. Well, thanks for listening to the Born Again Anxious podcast. If you enjoyed what you heard, we'd love for you to leave us a rating and review on your favorite podcast platform. Additionally, if you'd like to continue the conversation, we'd love to connect on Facebook. So just go to facebook.com slash bornagainanxious and join our private Facebook group, or you can simply find us by searching Born Again Anxious.